Please be seated. What a wealth of readings we have to think about this morning. I'm just going to stick with the first one that Allison read, the story of Naaman, the uh, huge and powerful general with a, some deep, deep flaws. Considering our uh, country's history and uh, the newspaper for the past week or so, a great general with some flaws is fairly appropriate subject matter. Naaman. Power, prestige, wealth, and pride, but itchy. He's got an itch that he just can't scratch. But somehow, some way, he is able to hear from the women, from the slave girl, from the periphery of his big shot vision. There is one who can help you. It's a small voice in his big shot world, but it gets through to him somehow. So Naaman does what he knows how to do. He, he serves a king, and this king is a king who orders other kings around. He, he's a big king. The big king signs a letter to one of the little kings saying, take care of my man, cure him, would you? He handles it the way big kings do. He delegates. Now, the little king in Israel knows better. He knows that what Naaman needs is a miracle. What am I, God, he yells? This has got to be politics. This must be a trap. The big king's just looking for a fight with us so that he can destroy us with an excuse. No, no. Naaman's all set. He's ready with gold and silver and precious cloth, ready to deal with the problem the only way he knows how. Throw some more power at it. But the king of Israel knows better. Taking care of Naaman is a job that only God could do. And when God's representative, Elisha, hears about it, he speaks quickly. Send him down to me. I'll take care of him. Let him come to me. A figure from the periphery saying, let him come to me. All these messages, there is one who can help. Let him come to me. We don't know why the big shots come to listen to these messages, but sometimes they do, and, and when they do, it makes all the difference. So Naaman does what he knows how to do. He goes down to Elisha's place with all the horses and the silver and the chariots and the gold and what have you, and Elisha doesn't even come out of his house. He sends a messenger out. Seems like a major diss. Tell him to go swimming. Tell him to go jump in the lake, or in the river, rather. But it's just Elisha's way of sparking that humility. That's what Naaman needs. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Naaman is livid. He's ticked off. Doesn't he know who I am? Supposed to get off his raggedy prophet self out here and heal me. That's what he's supposed to do. If I wanted to swim in a river, I'd have done it at home. We got better rivers at home. On and on. But then somehow, and this is the crux of the story, Naaman acquires a tiny bit of willingness. And he's able to hear a little message from the little people in his life, from the periphery. Hey, boss, give it a try. If he told you something hard to do, you'd do it. Why not just do this easy thing? Naaman hears, and that makes all the difference. And so Naaman lays aside his power, his prestige, and his wealth, his privilege, and his pride, and he takes a simple suggestion from little people. For a, uh, for a change, he does what he's told, and boom, he gets his miracle just like that. The story doesn't even tell us why he does it. He's just sick of living with his illness, really. 
But for a precious moment, he sets aside his pride, and that makes all the difference. Must have really been quite something to see this big guy with the robes and the armor and all the stuff get naked and get down in the river and let God take care of his problems. Must have been something. We hear in the, in the Gospel of Mark, not today, but Jesus heals another leper, but that leper was already humble, so his healing only took three verses. He believed, he knelt. If you choose, you can do it, says Jesus. He chooses, he's healed. Immediately, his leprosy left him and he was made clean. Naaman has a lot further to travel down the road to humility before the power of God. He's got all kinds of stuff to shed. And for the longest time, he's unable to see or understand or believe that all his wealth and power and prestige don't do a blessed thing about his itch. But as soon as he does, boom, he gets his miracle. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the man of God, that's Elisha. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was made clean. Well, since my son Jim is out of town until August, I can say this in front of you. He wouldn't permit it otherwise. But anybody who has a little brother or a little boy, young son, anybody knows what a, an indescribable joy it is to kiss that soft cheek after a bath once the ketchup and the jelly and the chocolate bar are cleaned off. And that's the new Naaman, give or take. The story goes on to tell what Naaman did next. He returned to the man of God. He and all his company stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except the God of Israel. This is pretty strong language from a guy who's used to throwing soldiers and shekels and letters from kings at his problems. Naaman is changed. The book of Proverbs tells us the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and humility goes before honor. First things first. Respect, why, uh, respect God get wise. Be humble, receive honor. And Naaman's story proves it demonstratively. If you've got an itch you can't scratch, go to God. Put aside your pride and take some suggestions from the humble people around you. If there aren't any, find some. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. As the ad campaign almost asks, Got meek? Now, this doesn't mean we curl up in a ball and let people throw us through a hoop. It doesn't mean saying, yeah, sure, okay, to anything people around us are suggesting, suggesting and, and forgetting about the consequences. What it does mean is making a relationship with the higher power of our understanding central to our lives. It means putting people in our lives whom we truly admire and trust and then taking some of their suggestions. It does mean praying for the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's humility. That's meek. Naaman's servants tell him, if the prophet, that's Elijah, had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much easier when all he said was to have faith and go swimming? And Naaman does it. Sure, it's a risk. He might be standing there naked in the Jordan, getting in and out of the water seven times and only getting wet. But he takes the risk, as each of us can, each of us must do. And he gets a lot more than wet. He gets well. 
So Naaman, able? Yes. Ablest man in all of Aram. Ready? Yes. He goes down to Israel ready for anything and sick and tired of having an itch he can't scratch. But is he willing? For the longest time, no. He's got too much going on. Too many socio-political obligations. Too many economic investments. Too many chariots and shekels and clothes. His life's too noisy. He's wound up. But, but, the day does dawn when Naaman is just ever so willing, and it makes all the difference, ever so willing to take a suggestion, to listen to the small voice, to humble himself. And boom, he gets his miracle. Amen.